Hello, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of Safe or Brave podcast. Today, we are hosting my friend, Rusty Turek, the CEO of PAX. Rusty is a former Google security engineer, and he is uh, coming from Slovakia, living here in LA. And uh, I would consider him one of the most successful tech entrepreneurs from Slovakia that I know, at least. And I'm really looking forward to the discussion because I know that Rusty uh, does a lot of experiments in his personal life. And every time I see him, he just looks differently. And also his leadership approach is just unique. So I'm pretty sure that there'll be a lot of new things for everybody. So let's get to the chat with Rusty. All right, Rusty. Welcome to the Safe or Brave podcast. Uh, thank you so much uh, for traveling all the way. All the uh, way from the from, middle. From, from the mid-city. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, like, we just found out that we have not uh, seen each other for seven years. Yeah. Last uh, time in Hawaii. <laughs> last time in Hawaii. That That's right. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to learn about everything new. Uh, got a what about the new, old new company? And we can also we can also uh, discuss uh, discuss the old. That's that's for sure. But uh, you have been always an inspiring uh, person for me. Oh. Uh, and I, ha- I have You're to too I ha- kind. I have to I have to say I have to say that. And uh, um, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, learn your different uh, points of view sure. uh, on things. And uh, right now. Your uh, main focus is uh, pex.com, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, an uh, analytics tool for uh, audio and video, right? I called it, uh, or we call it this, a search engine for video. Search engine for, it, uh, for video. It is uh, so many other things, but that's that's how I generally present it. And how, how would you describe it in, in, in detail? What's the, what's the purpose of, of the save, uh, service and why are you building it? Well, in fact, uh, we build a service that identifies content, audiovisual content, um, and matches it to uh, the rights to that content. And so it allows rights holders to generate more money out of it by licensing it freely on the internet. And we are able to collect data on it, help them to understand the audience, and in addition of that, enforce the licenses across the general internet, which is not... The, the easiest thing to do. So, who are like the the usual uh, clients or customers that uh, need this kind of service? I assume that it's not really the individuals, right? I mean, it could be. We, however, don't work with any. Uh, we tend to only focus on the largest of the largest, and so we, to date, sign vast majority of the music industry. We are uh, one of the very few vendors that have a uh, contractual relationship with all the music majors, music publishers, um, some Hollywood. That's that's amazing. That's yeah. a, that's that's a big achievement to to get uh, into this this place, right? And uh, I I know that as part of your journey, also you had to travel mm-hmm. to be to be closer to. Uh, your customers, right? Because uh, I, I remember that uh, you were living uh, in the Bay Area, yeah, at, San Francisco at, at, at the time, and now uh, you live uh, here in LA. 
Yep. Uh, so that was the the major reason to be to be closer to to the clients, or what what do you see different between the two cities? Actually, no. So we moved because um, we were hitting as a company average age was hitting thirties, uh, mm-hmm. and a lot of folks were were having really hard times getting. Um, mortgages and just being able to settle in the bay area it's ludicrously uh what's happening there and so you know they started telling us that they might leave within few months or years and so huge part of that was moving down to la where the prices are more reasonable customers didn't was definitely part of that and the other thing is and which is not understood well i think about la it's a really engineering city ucla and um usc produce a lot of engineers every year there is a whole um space and uh defense in here industry which produce a lot of um, really incredible engineers and so we knew that we will have better chance to find the talent here than competing for it in bay area where the prices are just too high for us yeah I guess it makes a lot of sense, and uh, I have to say that there is uh, also some other things that, at least for me, uh, put LA on the higher priority. Like yeah, I mean weather. Weather, yeah, weather is great. <laughs> traffic is horrendous. Oh, the traffic! Traffic is 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 terrible. That's that's yeah. for sure. But. Uh, uh, I love I love the weather here. Yeah, the weather is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it's uh, almost end of October and we still have thirty degrees of Celsius, yeah. eighty to ninety degrees of Fahrenheit, which yeah. is unusual. And so, yeah. blue blue skies every single day. It's a it's a fantastic place to live. Yeah, I, I would I I couldn't agree more. So when when did you when did you actually start building packs? Uh, and how did how did you get the idea? Uh, basically, going into uh, building a search engine for for videos. Um, so I have picked up your uh, yes, your way of describing tell. it. Um, so you might remember uh, my previous company was uh, recommendation recommendations as a service for media companies. Synopsy. Synopsy. And uh, uh, when we were running the B two C side, the platform when had with the apps and uh, and the web interface where users could actually use it to um, get a good recommendations from different streaming platforms and other sources. Uh, one of the ideas for marketing was to build a Shazam for video, mm-hmm. and so we couldn't raise enough money to actually market to people so we figured the way that they come to us is because we give them this cool app uh, that will do all of these crazy things and uh took us years years to figure it out actually um, the whole life of the company and a little bit longer and uh by the time i had a prototype ready i went to pitch it to paramount pictures um this is uh late 2013 and um, I showed them what it, what this could do and the partnerships and this was, you know, exciting and they kind of looked at each other and they said, yeah, nobody cares. <laughs> um, and as such, I was like, well, I spent five years building this, now what? And they kind of said, well, people copy our content all over the internet. Maybe you can do something about that. And so I started looking into it and uh, we incorporated surprisingly on uh, February 14th, so Valentine's Day, uh, in 2014 and I found that three years later when I was signing some paperwork it's like are we really you know Valentine's Day uh, 
But yeah, it took a few months to get Valentine's Day company. That's yeah, amazing. to to wrap over my head around the opportunity and start talking to people and uh, getting some, you know, feedback from the market. I was petrified to start a company that doesn't that that we build technology technology before we actually build a business. And so for the first time in my life, I tried to build business before I build technology. And so um, before we wrote single line of code we were trying to make sure that we actually there is a real business somewhere so you went to to pitch to those companies and uh yeah. tried to get them to sign a contract or at least like had uh, an indication from them that there's something yes. that uh, they they would want and they would pay for that's exactly right uh i was very naive about it so first i thought people will pay us for nothing <laughs> so i tried that that and didn't, they didn't work they didn't <laughs> not even one So two, I tried to get them at least excited about it. That seemed to work. Um, but the requirements that they wanted from us, for instance, as a search engine in a similar way, if you put this against Google or something, imagine that your search engine will do 3% of the, of the internet that Google does. How excited will user be about that? And so a lot of our customers showed up and said, well, come back when you have the full YouTube. And YouTube is, of course, the largest of the all. Yeah. And we told them, it's like, well, we can do YouTube if you give us money. And they said, well, I will give you money when you will have YouTube. So we went to VCs and we told them, well, we cannot get customers until we have YouTube. And they said, well, you will get my money if you have customers. And so first three oh, and a half years was a chicken and egg and uh, quite a nightmarish experience. But we somehow survived and uh, here we are. Wow. So so what made the... what What was the thing that that changed uh all of this like the dynamics that you know vcs they want to see customers customers want to see that you have the content on the platform yeah and uh in order to have the content you need the money yeah uh what uh what was it was it like that uh, you had to pace everything uh, to get like smaller customers and uh, somehow get there or was there like a breakthrough at at certain point Actually, uh, even the smaller customers ask for the same thing. So smaller customers were never the, the <laughs> way for us. Um, and that, that that might be right because yeah. in mo in 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 most of the cases, actually, the the uh, you know the small customers they make the uh, most uh, requests and mm. so on. So. Yeah, they are definitely the most annoying. Um, and so yeah, it, it was just perseverance. So we really pushed through. We we asked everyone i begged every person that i met can you put some money into the company everybody said no so i put everything i had and um you know we scrambled by we had some few angels that believed in us um and somehow we got to the point that what we had was good enough and we could actually go and uh, it was all youtube well it was mostly youtube at that point yeah And uh, the break came when uh, we were supposed to raise the Series A, which is a long time ago. And uh, the, the, this VC was doing a due diligence on us for, I don't know, nine months. And then pressed us to close the round because they just wanted to give money and all of that. And then they refused to sign the documents that they proposed. And so we were $500,000 in debt and uh, no way out. And so I reached out to one of the potential customers and I told them, you're shutting down in two weeks. So if you want to see it, you have last two weeks. And um, they said, you know what? Who cares? So they, they essentially ran a pilot with us for the two weeks. And uh, the results were 
so surprising to them that they put $500,000 at the end of the two weeks just as a form of prepaid check for literally nothing. And then, uh, and then wow. we settled on what will be the next because we we were literally just closing down, and so we had uh, we had some lucky break, and then we went from that. I think was March. We went from the March to um, August, where we were closing on four million in revenue. Wow! Yeah. So that is a breakthrough. That, that was a breakthrough. That, yeah, that, that was a luck like oh. never before. That's 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 an amazing uh, piece of a piece of a story. That mm. like you are almost at the very end of uh, yeah. of the path, and then suddenly, right, you meet with a customer that really uh, sees the value and uh, is willing uh, is is convinced and willing to to put something down, and uh, it makes the the company to go forward and. It was it, even worse because we, I, I learned about them not signing the deal on Thursday. And so on Friday, I reached out to one of the f people that I was friendly with uh, from one of the big tech companies um, that approached us a few months earlier to buy the company. And as I reached out, I said, it's like, we have no money left. If you want to buy these for nothing, I'm, I'm open to it. And so we made a handshake deal that Friday. Uh, we were working on the paperwork so most of the weekend, and then I was supposed to come and sign it on Monday, and uh, he got fired on Sunday. And I found out through a Twitter that he got fired because it was such a big thing that uh, all the media picked it up immediately. And I texted him, was like, can you please, please tell me that this is not true? And he texted back, I can neither confirm it nor neither deny it. And what? by Monday, the deal was off. When I, I showed up for the signing and the people were like, what are you doing here? It's like, the deal is gone. And so, yeah, that was not... So it was like two in a row. Yeah, there were two in a, the same week. And so I, I was... Uh, that, that was not a happy time. But Why did the, 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 uh, the VC pull, pull back from like the documents that they proposed? They essentially said that their board refused to sign it that was that was it i i got five minute phone call that ended with the question so what are you going to do now i was like maybe jump from the golden you, gate bridge who the hell you, knows <laughs> you have never followed up with them even like i mean what am i going to say no no i mean like uh, i i was i was wondering if you Uh, Once this have, is a billion-dollar company, if you I have will, en encountered them since uh, then, I have fortunately not. But once this is a billion-dollar company, I will I will knock on their door and say, "He's like, see, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, for the ego's sake." But <laughs> yeah, I have not run into them. What's uh, what's been the the progress on the fundraising uh, side since then? Well, because we went so quickly and we grew so rapidly, there was a lot of interest. And so we publicly announced a round a few years back, which was one of the bigger seed rounds. Uh, we closed $7 million seed, um, with f led with few other customers and then few other VCs. Um, we became profitable that, that year. And so we had not really any reasons to raise more money. And so we try to stay the kind of opposite of the Silicon Valley startups where they follow uh, the growth well, at any cost. We rather the revenue and the profit. And so I guess if you look at the examples of uh, today's world, uh, uh, seeking profitability early might not be a, a, a bad path. 
It uh, it's a safe one at this point because uh, we are in charge of our own destiny and uh, we can do whatever we want. Uh, people don't breed on our neck and they don't give us uh, atrocious conditions. How you know how to adjust the business, how to run the business. Uh, we have very different form of operation as a com- American company, considering that I'm coming from Europe and uh, our CEO is also European. Um, and so we run the company more in the European style. So we have 30 days of PTO, which is very unusual in US. We have four months of uh, parental leave and we have a lot of way where we have work-life balance where people work 50-hour work weeks with commute in LA. And so we go the complete opposite way of every other startup where they have 20-year-olds working nonstop yeah. and then burning all day, out all night. All day, all night, yeah. And so we do the complete opposite. We only work uh, during a work week. We only work reasonable hours. And most people in our company are way, way past 30. Do you also uh, take enough uh, time off? Unfortunately, because uh, nobody works there, I have to. So uh, it's been a while, um, and I try to get be better. Um, we are now, you know, a little bit bigger than we used to be, and so I have now a lot of people taking care of uh, things. So I try. Uh, it's not easy. When was your last vacation? I hope it was not uh, uh, when we went together to Hawaii uh, seven years ago. Uh yeah, so my <laughs> last vacation will be on Thursday where I'm going to Hawaii again. Oh, you are? Yes. Um, oh, nice. Uh, but I generally take uh, once a year, few days. On that few? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, someone has to work. <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. But uh, sometimes it's uh, not bad to. Uh, Uh, switch off and, and relax. Absolutely. For, for we are growing very quickly right now. So we used to be 10 people for almost four and a half years. Mm-hmm. And uh, we grew by orders of magnitude within last year. And so it's it's a little bit more challenging right now, you know, moving from a company where everybody knows everyone to a company where, as you know, people start running into, it's like, oh, you work here too? Uh, is, is most of the people uh, engineers? Yeah, vast majority. Yeah, we have very few non-engineer people. And uh, what what do you see as the biggest challenge uh, for PAX right now? Or where 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 uh, does most of your time go? People, hundred percent people. People management of any kind is ninety percent of my time. I spend a lot of time uh, with customers. Uh-huh. Our customers are multi-billion-dollar corporations, and so average uh, contract takes 19 months or so to close. 19 uh, months. Our contracts are in millions of dollars each, and so they are, tend to be very different. Um, they also require a little bit different services, I will say, or maybe support. So we don't have per se account managers. We have more like everybody is all hands on deck all the time with them because uh-huh. it's it's a very large corporation that requires a little bit dif- different um different services and so 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 that's that and then um i still code a lot which is you do unfortunate yes um i'm trying to replace myself so i gave do, you, do, you, do you still enjoy it I love coding. I'm just not good at it because I spend very little time. And so I am the largest bottleneck by far in the company. Uh, and I promised everyone that by the end of this year, I'm finding a replacement for myself. It's not going well. 
what's, what what why why do you still code what's the what's the reason for it I've wrote the vast majority of the original code, and so a lot of the logic is mine. Oh. I was responsible and still am responsible for most of the engineering decisions, at, the, at least at the architecture level. But it's not connecting well with my full-time CEO job. And so um, I have very capable of people, and uh, I'm learning to let go. And so that's my, that's my uh, resolution for this, and especially next year. Awesome. I uh, like you, your background is engineering for the most part, right? That's by what, trade. By yes. trade, and uh, that's what you have been doing uh, for a long time. Yeah, you've been at Google yep. uh, a long time ago. Very long, long time ago. A long time ago, and we can we can talk about that uh, a little later as well. But what I'm really interested uh, is how do you how do you pick up the knowledge to be able to close multi-million dollar contracts uh, with huge corporations uh, when you are coming from the engineering background and you know just nothing about it it's ridiculously painful um, as you know coming from the region that we are both coming from we didn't get this education Business was not something when I was born was a thing, you know, during a communist era, there was no such a thing as a business, as a private business. And so I had the chance to observe my father to build his business, which is quite successful. And uh, I, had the, I, I had the chance to see how he approaches people. And uh, it still was very painful. Uh, US is very different from... Our, our Central Europe, Central Eastern Europe, and uh, the way people talk and operate is not uh, the way that I'm used to. And so uh, it took a very long time. That's the reason why we, for the first four years, uh, had no customers. Uh, <laughs> I had to learn the hard way. Um, it's one of the things that is allowing us to actually um, grow the way that we are and be who we are because we were able to i was able to adjust to this market but other people were able to figure it out too and so um yeah it's a it's very counterintuitive in a lot of ways and uh there's steps to follow and uh it comes naturally to me now but i i meet a lot of young founders or first-time founders or whatever kind of founders and uh to talk to me about this like how do you do this how do you do that and i have to kind of conceptualize that in my brain is like now it's just so natural to me to go to meetings we meet a lot of famous people because that's what we work with and yeah. so um i don't notice that anymore it's kind of a day 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 to day but to a lot of people it comes to like surprising and uh very you know very new and different and so um took a lot of time and if I think I will be smarter and a little bit better student of the world then it will be easier but I am who I am so was there was there anyone who helped you in uh, like uh, getting the sales function set up or it was no. just just yourself and the team figuring it out Yes, uh, unfortunately, the first few years nobody wanted to work for us, so we were really ten people the whole time, uh, with few people coming and few people uh, going. Uh, 
We were not able to attract. Uh, it's one of the interesting things what all, a lot of VCs say is like, sell it to me. Mm-hmm. They want to understand if you can actually sell it to other uh, other uh, employees that will be working for you. And uh, I must say I was failing at that too. So uh, it took very long time to get people on board. And um, I spent a lot of time making sure that the team that we have, the core team is actually strong and uh, functions well. And uh, I must say the proudest thing is that uh, in uh, five and a half years, only three people left us on their own accord. And so we don't generally lose people. Uh, we that's, focused, that's amazing. We focused a lot on the culture and uh, making sure that people are very fulfilled and happy. And it's one of our number one priorities, more than customers. And we found out that if people are happy, then we can figure out the rest somehow. But to the, for us, at least as a, as a company and the people that are in this is a huge priority. And so customers kind of, you know, came with the time. The, we, we were also lucky. This industry really didn't get any innovation for the last 15 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, there were very few players in it because the industry itself was very, very small for a very, very long time. And so we happened by coincidence, as I mentioned, this is supposed to be something very different. And... Um, because there's not much innovation by the time we were able to actually do what we promised to do uh it's very hard for the others to catch up with us and so we are so ahead of them um uh, it's very 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 hard for the existing competitors or new competitors to enter the same market especially because we took most of the largest clients out of it and is now incredibly challenging to them um to convince the same people to work with them because of rule of thumb is you have to 10x the, mm-hmm. the, the the service that they're using and it's very very hard to do that to us because for instance we are now able to identify half a second of both video and audio and there's very little that you can 10x us on and the scale we are roughly four times the size of youtube in terms of how much data we bring and so we are the largest deployment in google cloud um and so it's very very hard to build something that is better than ours and even if it is better than is not significantly better and that products of our current business and makes the investment to the future business much easier for us i got it that's that's what i wanted to ask about how how the competition looks and if uh, there is an appetite from the big tech companies to do something like you do or uh, it's coming um it's now required by law so european union passed a law called copyright directive uh, yeah. in late may and so this, what we do for a living is now required for all of the platforms uh, by that law. And so um, a lot of companies are trying. It's not that simple. That's what they find very quickly. Um, the amount of data is staggering that you have to process. So we process roughly four exabytes of data to date, which is, you know, 10 times the size of Dropbox, essentially. I don't even know how much that is. <laughs> it's a... Uh, it seems a lot. It it's seems a lot of data. It's absolutely a lot. And so... Um, uh, what a lot of people find out is um, I, a lot I, of I don't want to see your bills for <laughs> the cloud services. It's actually not that bad. That's uh, <laughs> that's part of the mojo that we we were able to figure out. But uh, it's it's very surprising. We just had on site uh, one of the cloud providers, and they sent like one of the top people from the company to us. And they were sitting there, and they were staring at us. And they said, "Like you, like, do you have multiple floors in this building, or something?" And we said, "No, it's just what you see." And 
They said, I was like, what's wrong with this picture? You are so tiny. Why are we here? And by the time they find out how big our infrastructure is, they're like, now I get it. <laughs> and so that was very interesting. Um, we are surprising in that way that our uh, cost of servers way uh, is way larger than cost of people. And so generally, startups tend to be very people-heavy, mm-hmm. where 80% of costs are people. In our in our case, it's uh, way the other way. And so people are essentially on the lower side. And uh, I do remember one of our colleagues said um, very early on uh, something along those lines, I, I'm having a very hard time working for a company where I'm cheaper than the server. <laughs> and so we are very, very tech-heavy. Um, we follow the path of Google really on this. Where do you see the the possible path for PEX uh, going forward? Uh, do you think that uh, there'll be an appetite uh, for an acquisition of one of the bigger players, or you you would like to scale uh, the service? Uh, and if 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 that, where do you see the opportunities for scaling it? Yeah, I mean the the law changed a lot of the. The dynamics, the dynamics in the market, and so we had a lot of acquisition offers over the years. Few of them fell through, like the, mm-hmm. the one that I mentioned. Um, but it's now coming more often because it's required, and there's not that much competition uh, on the market, and so a lot of companies are coming to us. I think we are really trying to see this through and see how far we can take it because the it's not that the law makes our business uh, any better. It just speeds up the kind of acquisition of it. And so a lot of customers that we will be working years to get on board it, as I said, average contract takes months, um, way over a year. Um, 19 months is our, our, our number right now. And so this is just forcing everyone to close within the same period of time, uh, which changes the dynamics for us. It's not that the law made us. It's mm-hmm. just the law is speeding up everything. Um, and we are trying to make sure that we actually don't break the market. So the law is written from like a very negative side. We were very uh, heavily um, lobbying against it. We still think it was a wrong way to do it. Even it's uh, helping our business. But as it passed, we are trying to kind of balance the market rather than uh, rather than letting one side to take advantage of the other. And so our newest thing is what we call an attribution engine, which we internally call the visa for copyright. And so essentially the idea is connect three-sided marketplace to the rights holders, the platforms, and then uh, the users of the content into a real-time settlement system where, as we were talking about, you guys are using some music here, uh, You know, making sure that when you upload the, the video to YouTube or something else, and it's identified as containing something that you actually license or is supposed to license that you actually can prove by license and mm-hmm. rather than going through all of the motions that the market uh, works today. And so there is a lot of ways for us. And uh, because we are so ahead of everyone else, a lot of the market is coming to us right now. And so we were, uh, we had a, all hands few months back where we actually sat down and all of us started talking about are we going to sell as a company or are we going to go for this and people wanted to do the latter and so here we are nice that's uh, like that's good that you have the the spirit that you want to 
keep keep building and it's like uh all of the clients that you have right now US based or like do you see like possible expansion of what you do in in other countries uh our clients are now based in the country they are so large that they are based in every country yeah um but they are generally considered US companies although the in many cases have headquarters in so many different areas uh we have not yet broken down to a small small ones we are slowly moving towards um smaller franchises or smaller ip owners that are very famous very popular like the people that everybody know everybody knows their names but to us they're very small mm-hmm. um as a technical example not to use Every, as a client everybody knows them but they're very small i understand um uh, as a technical example not to give that as a real customer is uh taylor swift like she's very famous very popular all of that but to us she has such a small ip in a, in the scope of everything else that this is a very small customer to us and so um we are opening up to those kind of customers now those small like small like taylor swift taylor swift yeah <laughs> Uh, surprisingly, there is a lot of them, and so there, there, there is plenty, and uh, especially around here. Especially that's, around here, that's, exactly. That's for sure. So you get to meet uh, you, you get to meet them uh, and, and talk to them and discuss how to protect their IP. Uh, sure. I mean, production is one thing. So it's not necessarily production; it's uh, generating revenue out of it, which is uh, what, what everybody cares about. Our huge part of the business that is growing rapidly right now is analytics. So. Mm-hmm. We are the only company that can actually follow the content across the internet. So regardless if you actually upload it there or not, so if people take just three seconds of a video, post it on Imager as a meme, we are able to backtrack that to the original and tell you, don't don't touch it. Just look at it. This is the I, this is the part that is clicking with people. These are the people. This is what you should do. And so this is a huge, huge, huge uh, opportunity for us, especially with brands. There's a $70 billion locked in in TV advertisement in the United States. And uh, those money are waiting for a system like ours to uh, prove the ROI. And so we are going all after all of these at the same time. And so analytics is one of our most um, egregious place, I will say, uh, is really trying to um, do something new here because the market doesn't really yet exist uh, which is also challenging because being a market maker in data means that people have to first trust you in order to trust your data um, but it's uh, it's one of our I think it's some if you're going to ever change the world in any form or shape you know how every single startup in yeah. Silicon Valley has to then this will be it uh, this will be really the opening for everyone to understand the audience across uh, all of the internet without, without actually interacting with them. What do you, what do you feel uh, was uh, the key to crack the right algorithm to be able to uh, basically analyze of, yeah. everything and find that my video... And I, I know that your algorithm can actually search for, uh, you know, the the videos that are like, cropped yep. uh, that are like that have filters mm-hmm. and a bunch of different things that that you can how you can adjust it and you you still are able to mm-hmm. to search for it so there must be there must be something uh, really unique uh, about that how yeah uh, what was what was the key to to crack that 
It took a lot of lot of time to a uh, few folks, and uh, we just preserved. It's an interesting thing because when I started this company, a lot of people ask me how are you going to compete with Google, and I I, I try to explain to them is like this is not a point of interest to them. And so thus they don't invest into innovation in it. And um, I still believe there is a lot of to invest in innovation. And um, we, we were proven right after a very long period of time. But um, the original algorithm took years to come by with the idea and uh, a lot of testing. And then we got very lucky. We, we hired a few folks that stick around. So we actually, the first... I think three employees are uh, still with us. And mm-hmm. so they never left and um, they are with me actually through multiple companies. And uh, we hired also one of uh, one of the guys very early on that essentially drives this R&D for us. Um, and it took him first two years. He was able to do very tiny little tweaks. And now we have a leap jumps because now the understanding is so great that uh, he's able to do much better. So the original algorithm in comparison to today is uh, it's a night a day. Um, we today are able to do things that essentially no one else on the market is even close. So we not only do video identifications, but also audio. Mm-hmm. And we are able to do, um, uh, through our melody matching, to do cover versions. So essentially when people sing with terrible voice like mine, in the shower to something, we are able to backtrack that to the original. Oh, really? Mixes, remixes, a lot of lot of things that are kind of mushed together. So, you would you say that you are better than Shazam now? Way better, way better, and way faster at a much larger scale. Um, we just don't have the user facing interface. That, that's what I wanted to ask. Would you consider uh, providing this service to? like the end users to be able to leverage that because it uh, like Shazam is great, mm-hmm. but it only works when it's like a hundred percent precise. I feel, mm-hmm. or at least that was they, they, my they experience. Do, yeah, they, do, they, they do a great job. I, I mean, Shazam, SoundHound, they, they are very, very good companies. Um, they were built for different eras. So Shazam is 90, 98, 99 company. I think 2000, they were incorporated in the UK. Um, we started in the era of short clips and short things. And so Shazam's original purpose is supposed to be that you call with your phone by music playing around. So I'm not talking about mobile phone. Yeah. I literally mean any kind of phone. And um, they had these answering service very popular in the United States during that era, where essentially after a few seconds it was, oh, yeah, you were listening to this. And so a voice will tell you back. It was like, oh, it's this song. And then a smartphone happens. And then you write it down. And then you, you, get you write it down. <laughs> and then you go to a store and you get a CD or a vinyl or something. <laughs> well, the world changed. Uh, Apple introduced iPhone and a lot of things came with it. And so a lot of these things were just not built for it. And uh, when we were building uh, the algorithm, it was built for iPhone. It was meant the original idea came from um, there's this device and it's getting better every year and it can do all of these things. And so we have the capabilities. I don't know. We have the smarts to figure out how to actually get this to people and make a business out of it. Mm -hmm. So Shazam's challenge was that... um, they sold for incredible amounts of money, $300 million to Apple. 
but it was a huge disappointment to a lot of people that expected that it's worth more. And so our company at the present path is uh, most likely worth significantly more than that. And so it's very hard for us, especially being so small, kind of breaking into different parts. Mm -hmm. Uh, We already have three products, which is challenging enough. And so going after different markets will be very, very, um, not only challenging, but uh, most likely very unwise. So not uh, not planning that anytime soon? No, anytime soon. Uh, we do have, from time to time, um, people ask us for partnerships and they try to get us uh, to work with them. We f- tend to dislike those uh, situations, like we had some with your neighbors here. Um, uh, one of the very popular social applications. Um, oh, these neighbors, yeah. These neighbors, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's it's challenging because, uh, you know, for them what is a future feature is a whole business for us and so we don't want to be dependent on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they decide to drop us or figure it out how to do it themselves, it will be quite uh, challenging for us to live. In addition to that, supporting their business means that we have to take it from our current business. And so... We, from the day we started this company, uh, we focused on the rights holders, the creators. And so we wanted to be always on their side because we felt like the market, uh, the market essentially uh, didn't um, favor them. They were always on the short side of the short side of the, they always got the shortest side of the stick, which is funny because, you know, few years back, maybe decade uh, back, they were not, um, they were definitely not uh, treating other people well. So, but we saw the, we saw the, or we came in the era where um, rights order were always on the shorter side of the situation where the platforms were taking advantage of that, of them and uh, the, the, the rights were not worth much to the, to the, uh, to the users. A lot of things changed since, obviously, Spotify is now a um, household name and people don't even think about it. Um, um, obviously, other things happened when we started this company. No large platform had video on it. Mm-hmm. Um, today, it's only video, it's everywhere. Yes. And so... Gets the most engagement? A hundred percent. I mean, Instagram significantly overpassed with video Facebook. And so... Uh, we, we we index both platforms. Um, TikTok went from nothing to billions of videos on, on the platform very very rapidly, and so it's a way of communication for between humans, and um, it's a it's a kind of a path that we bet very early on, even when a lot of people didn't see it that way, and so we got lucky. Do you get a lot of insight into different kinds of social media? Because you mentioned TikTok, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I would I was wondering if you also like uh, uh, keep up with the trends and see what's happening on on the platforms and how they are uh, evolving. Absolutely. So that's that's the part of our job. So we crawl or we we kind of index around forty plus platforms. Um, I have I have checked out your your website uh, today and I saw uh, all of them listed yeah. there. A uh, few of them are missing. A uh, few new ones are, for instance, all the like podcasts. Apple podcasts. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we follow everything that we can find that has audiovisual content and has some value to our customers. Um, 
And so TikTok is definitely one. We have a lot of other Chinese, so QQ, uh, Yuku, um, um, Huai, and a lot of others. We do Russian platforms like VK and OK. We do a lot of live streaming like Mixer, Twitch. Uh, we do animated GIFs like Jiffy Cat and Jiffy. And so we mush all of these platforms. I and mean, part of that is because we get all of the usage data from the platforms, meaning by uh, seeing what's happening there. We also follow trends. We build a lot of these reports for our customers, trying to help them to understand what kind of content works where. And uh, the interesting thing about it is like we see once a, a content starts blowing up, so becoming viral, what it's called, um, we see what kind of content goes where and what happens to it, how people adjust to it, how people work with it. And so it's a... Uh, it's very interesting, and so we don't partake in it. Uh, we don't do anything with that, but we we essentially sell these reports uh, back to customers and help them to understand their place in the marketplace. Got it. And uh, do do you feel that your uh, experience at uh, Google? Uh, I would like to go a little bit uh, back. Uh, has prepared you to. Uh, Run the run the business and the, the the previous business and now packs also. Uh, how do you how do you what's what's your uh, memories from from uh, being at Google? I think business wise, it actually damaged me a lot. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Google had this uh, interesting dynamic where no matter what we did, was always right. We couldn't screw up. No matter what happened in that company, the hockey stick was always to the right. And so we can't we can't do anything wrong. And uh, put in my mind very early on because I was there when I was really young, and uh, put in my mind the fact that I I think I'm invincible in a way, uh, which was very wrong. And that's why a lot of my companies failed so miserably. <laughs> um, one thing that it gave me though uh, is that I'm don't shy from very large challenges. Um, so what we do required uh, quite a lot of engineering and a lot of, I will say, smarts to figure it out. And that I got from Google. Google always had, my, my boss always said, that if you need to use humans, you already failed. And so I always repeated this mantra internally. I always tell people, it's like, we have to figure this out with the computer. Otherwise, this will never work. And it allows us to get where we are. Um, it also taught me how to build scalable system, which... You know, today in cloud era, it feels like it's easy. Um, what people find out very quickly, and I, it happens to me a lot, like someone reaches out and says, we are a big data company, like we should talk. And uh, when we start talking about the data that we process, it's so many orders of magnitude around everyone else that they always kind of uh, chuckle a little bit and they go, like, how, how do you even do that? And so... Um, it's one of those things that I actually was able to learn from that experience, which was, um, I think, without it, I will be not here. Um, it also showed me few things that I really don't want to do. And so um, anytime I, I talk to my team about we should do these uh, things in this way, especially around people management and others, I always say, well, the only employment I ever had is with Google. This is how we done it. And uh, this was the wrong way. So let's figure it out any other way but that way. Um, but uh, it was not my only employment, but it was the most significant employment outside of PEX. And, uh, 
And so we we always go, or at least I personally go always back to it, and uh, I try to get to, or take the best out of it. And I think, I mean, it uh, it was incredible experience for me. Um, it also the fact that we are built on Google mm-hmm. right now, so we are using Google Cloud. So did you leverage your relationships? I, there? Not only relationships, but also the knowledge. And uh-huh. so I was able to build on the tools that I knew internally. Got it. And just extended them from the external, from the outside. And uh, yeah, the relationships were very, very important because we started almost at the same time when Google Cloud actually started. And so a lot of the PMs, a lot of the managers were my ex-colleagues or friends. And so I was able to get us in a lot of uh, preview programs and who knows what. And we got... And this is one of the reasons why we are even around. We got uh, millions of dollars worth of credits out of the cloud providers over the years because we were able to always get one against the other, saying like, "This guys gave us hundred thousand, you need to give <laughs> us hundred thousand, and we burned through it all." And so, so it was good in the early days it to, was to get going. Yes. And how how did you? Uh, get to Google in the first place? What was your path, right? Originally, you are uh, from Slovakia. Yeah. Uh, how does a guy from Slovakia end, the, uh, end up in working in, in Google in Silicon Valley? Uh, generally, doesn't. Uh, <laughs> but in my case, I was working for other companies that get acquired. Uh-huh. Uh, and then Google fired me. In the interview, they essentially said, like, uh, you have no college degree, you are too young, you're not interested. And then my boss, uh, who was essentially the owner of the company, um, said that all they take everyone or no one, and he's not selling. And so he kind of saved my ass in that way. And um, it was, uh, yeah, I, I owe, owe him all of that. Wow. Yeah. And uh, it was a company uh, in... Uh... Out of Boston. Out of Boston? Yeah. So, so you were in Boston before? I was in Boston, yeah. And so we were doing a financial security. I was essentially uh, first contracting for them and then helping them out uh, with some things. He, he saw something in me. Um, I came to US with almost no English, so we spoke German. Oh. Uh, he's a German descendant, and uh, it was my only possible language that I could actually uh, speak fluently in uh, outside of Slovak, which he didn't speak. Um, and so it took, it, it was definitely challenging and I, I'm very thankful to this day, uh, to him because uh, without him and his wife, um, I will be definitely not here. Do you get to meet, uh, sometimes? Unfortunately, uh, his wife died of cancer and, uh, and so I tend to, uh, I tend to stay in touch as much as I can. Uh, it's not as much these days. So he moved back to Boston and so. I understand. That's a bummer. Yeah, well, but that's the life. life, right? That's life. Yeah. Uh, what What are the 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 next uh, things that you have lined up for for Pex? I know that uh, recently uh, you opened a, a new off new engineering office in in Prague, and you have now uh, how many offices? Around five. Yeah, around five. I cannot even count anymore. <laughs> Yes. Uh, well, the Prague office is a big one for us. Um, we spent a very long time figuring out where in Europe we actually want to settle. And uh, surprisingly, we, I did this list of cities within Europe and I started asking Americans, just random people. I was like, can you sort this list? And Prague somehow always ended up fourth or fifth after Paris, London, sometimes Rome, sometimes something similar. But I was very, very surprised that Barcelona or... 
Berlin or something else didn't pop up higher. Prague was really, really high up from the get-go. Wow. And, uh, That's surprising. It was very surprising to me, and it was very important to us because uh, all of our managers are Americans, and so we needed them to be able to actually go and live in you in Prague in order to build up the office. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we settled on in Prague uh, for mostly that reason. And uh, we were very lucky to find Martin Happel, who is now the, the lead of the office. So we didn't actually have to use the Americans that we originally thought this is going to be needed. But um, uh, it allows us to have, and we have a lot of American employees that actually do fly to Prague and enjoy the fact that they can stay there. And we actually, for the first time, got a uh, request to move rather from Prague to U.S. Oh, really? From U.S. to Someone Prague. wants to uh, move to Prague? <laughs> Someone wants to enjoy the beer and, yeah. uh, and the food. And so... It's great there. Prague is it's a phenomenal city and um, a lot of Americans don't have that opportunity to see it. And so this is the way for us, which is fantastic. And we have very good relationship have, with the government. We have a lot of Americans in our Prague office. Uh, really? Yeah. That's and they, fantastic. And they love it. They love <laughs> it. It's, 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 a, it's a whole different vibe. It, up for them, absolutely. I mean, I did, I, I grew up, you know, in uh, uh, eventually I grew up in a tiny little village next to a, a like sixth largest city in our country, and um, and so when I was moving to Boston, I thought this is like a miracle more more than anything. <laughs> and I get for them, it's it's a little bit different experience. So what what's the structure of your team? Is it mostly Americans uh, besides the 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 new new team that you have in in Prague? Actually, surprisingly, we have a lot of immigrants. However, most of them are American citizens. And so we, um, I will say huge, huge portion, definitely way over half is Americans. Because, uh, because I know that you have uh, strong connections with the community in Slovakia, yes. and in the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if uh, you actually picked up a, a couple of people from the community that are part of uh, part of PAX or if you just Not build yet. up the the entire the entire uh, company from uh, basically the, the talent that uh, you found here in the US. Yeah, not yet. Uh, we so we when the company started we were kind of like a super remote company and so we had people all over and then at one point I said it's like I want everyone in the same place. Um And I, I'm one of the people that really dislikes remote of any kind. And so we brought everyone to San Francisco and only very few people were willing to move or capable of moving. The visa is not the easiest way to get, go through. And so eventually we built the whole team within San Francisco and uh, very few people stayed. And so we have um, one Czech person and three Slovak people that were yeah. with me from the get-go. But otherwise, uh, everyone else was essentially American of some some sort. As I said, we have a lot of immigrants. So we have people that are originally from Turkey, France, and many other places. Australia, yeah, surprisingly. Good, good, good mix and diversity. Yeah, uh, very surprisingly Australia for us. Um, but uh, generally, we tend to hire, especially in the United States right now, with the, with the way immigration is going, it's all locals only. That's 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 great. Uh, like you have you have mentioned uh, a couple of interesting points in terms of the way how you actually approach the leadership of the company, mm-hmm. and it seems like you have a very specific uh, point of view on what 
should be the important values and leading and i'm saying leading as opposed to managing because mm. i feel that uh, i'm hoping that's the way yeah uh, the leading is the is the is the is the right approach or mm. at least the the right approach uh, in in today's world and i i, would, I, would, I would, if if you have some uh, specific examples of what you feel do differently because you mentioned that you have no problems with uh, with hiring now like you have had problems to share your uh, vision uh, mm. Uh, mm. for the company before, right? But seems like now you have that really figured out, and uh, uh, people are are happy. They are not leaving, mm. right? You mentioned that you had very few people mm. that uh, have left the company. What are the secrets? I don't know about secrets, so I'm quite vocal about them. Um, <laughs> I have very few rules personally for the company, and I tell this to every single person. Um, transparency. That means that comes from both sides. So every person can ask, and we we encourage this in every single Monday in our all hands. Uh, you are free to ask about literally anything. That means how much money is in the bank, uh, who are our customers, how much they are paying every single month. We talk about this. Uh, we talk about this very openly. Uh, we have levels which I copied essentially from Google. So mm-hmm. as every person is at certain level, and then we have equal. Uh, equal position, equal compensation. So not just uh, base salary, but everything else is equal. Um, so we don't have people that are paid differently in any form or shape. That means no options, no different kind of bonuses that are not the same as as the same person working on the same position. Um, through that, everything is very open. So people know how much money they're making. Everybody knows. This is the this is the salary for that base. It's actually one of the things. It's one of the very first things that we disclose to a candidate. Mm-hmm. We say this is how much the job pays. Take it or leave it. We don't negotiate at all. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly, works very well uh, for us um, at this point. And so uh, transparency is a huge thing, but it comes back also from from the people. So we tell them anytime you feel like something we are not doing well, it's it's our job to fix it. So you need to openly disclose it anything that happens in your life that impacts your job just come forward we'll figure it out um and so transparency is a big thing and then respect and respect is very very important to me it's not respect to me or respect to the company but to each other Mm -hmm. and so we have a lot of different people we have office manager we have other people and uh, i saw seen it years before in other companies where people certain people treat other people like lesser um and so i don't i don't allow that at all um and uh i think magic happens when people are on the equal standing and so that's one of the biggest things for us making sure that people really respect each other really really want to work together and uh it's one of the things that we hear a lot uh from new employees old employees people that are kind of visiting uh, in any way um, that they say the culture is unusually nice, like people are nice. And it's one of our rules. We don't hire the best technical talent. We hire nice people. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want any brilliant jerks. We don't care how good you are. Uh, we really care about just being around you. And it works for us incredibly well. Uh, we, t- we tend to use we historically used to hire people that nobody else will hire because the, the credentials were just not there. 
Um, and it works out incredibly well for us because we went only for one thing. Is, is this a good person? And uh, once you invest in their education, in their growth, um, once you give them the support they need, they will just do the best job they can. I would love to visit your offices you uh, need to come. at some point. It's not far. Well, uh, can, it's, it's further than it seems in the city. <laughs> Depends what time of the <laughs> day, right? Of the day. You got the morning traffic, the lunchtime traffic, early afternoon traffic, and uh, uh, e- three <laughs> evening traffics. Yeah, like first dinner, there second is, dinner traffic. There is like uh, always. Uh, uh, there is always a reason for <laughs> for traffic in in LA. That's for sure. But I would I would love to to make yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's one of the things that I'm absolutely proud of. This uh, we have not let go single person in two years. Uh, we've really, 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 really focused on education and growth and people say that, companies say that, but we really invest a lot. And so we have essentially unlimited budgets for um, any kind of conferences, but not only just job related, we, we support anything. So we help people that are beekeepers and others, and we will do anything in our power to help them to just do better. And part of that is a few of my and then employees. then you get free honey. Then we get free honey, which is delicious. <laughs> uh, part of that is a few of our employees showed up, I think, a little bit more than a year ago, and they said that they would like to uh, get people to present and the company to pay for a meal during that time. And so present their job or something, like once every uh, every two weeks. And so we started, it started really job-related. It's like, this is what I'm working on. This is why it's mm-hmm. interesting. And it started shifting very quickly to a personal things, uh, where one of our employees did a hour and a half presentation why he really hates the Last Jedi movie, um, and it started going from there to things like one of our employees that is a beekeeper shows everyone what it means, and then we have other people that do pine wood derbies, uh, other things. It's like every person brings their own to the table, and that's, it's, that's awesome. Like it, it changes things how people perceive each other. And so we found that it's very important to encourage the humanity in people rather mm-hmm. than the technical skills that they have. And uh, it's working for us incredibly well. Do you do any technical tests or uh, of any sort? Because I, like, I know that, for example, in in Google, it's it's heavily focused on the the technical aspect mm-hmm. and like the algorithmical mm-hmm. uh, questions and mm-hmm. everything related to that, which I feel personally in the day to day job, you don't need much. No, uh, but uh, still, you should know something if you are an engineer. Uh, we somehow find it is very counterproductive, and so we have very very narrow very specified uh, hiring process that we hone over the years and then it works for us incredibly well we have maybe 97 percent acceptance of our offers mm-hmm. and we are definitely not the highest paying in the market uh, we are far from it actually uh, but we we are very heavy on the bonus or the benefit package so very the highest healthcare we can do the most vacation and all of that within like very uh, structured towards more families and family-oriented mm-hmm. life. But our our hiring process is incredibly simple. We have a first call with one of our recruiters, which is usually 15 to 30 minutes, where we disclose almost everything up front. This is how much money you will be making in that position. This is what we are expecting from you. This is what we will invest into you. Um, 
Then the second part is a take-home challenge. Um, it tends to be very, very simple because we are not looking for your algorithmical skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are looking for how you think. And so we give people a challenge that is generally simple to solve, but it's also very broad in a way that you can approach it and is more solving a problem than writing writing a code. So we don't care if you can write a code. That's not your job. Your job is solving problems. And so we we routed hiring a lot of companies hire developers, which is essentially a person that translates a flow into a code. We hire engineers where engineer is a person that solves a problem with the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same as a chef solves hunger with the food, right? It's like it's it's just a tool. It's not much more. And so the take-home challenge, we have that for every single position. So recruiters, they get a, their own. Marketers get their own. Every single position has their own. They're always focused on the same idea. How would you solve this problem rather than how good you are at it? Um we also have rule that we never can go back. So that means once you cross a step, you cannot ever ask the person to do it again. Mm-hmm. So for instance, if someone passes the technical challenge and three people say yes and moves to the next step, nobody can show up later and say, well, I need more proof. Mm-hmm. Like that was the time and Got it. You, you passed it. And then the last one is our own site and depends where the people are. It's uh, it's a kind of a video or whatever that is. Um and it's, they meet usually four people. And so it's their new manager, um, the future manager. It's a, what Amazon calls a bar raiser. For us, we called it I don't care. Uh, it's a person that is not going to work with you almost ever. So for an engineer, Someone it could who, be a marketer. Yeah. They are there just only to say, I really don't want to work with this person. Or I love this person. It's like that person is the best person in the world. That's what we want to hear. It's like it's a person uh-huh. that has zero interest in your position and has absolutely no interest figuring out how to do. Um, then they meet our COO, and they meet me mm-hmm. um, for every single person. This this actually allows us to be incredibly fast. So from the day we meet, depends on how quick they are with the take-home challenge, it should take 30 minutes. Some people take time because they want to be so sure. Um, we can have from the day we meet to the offer three to seven days. Um, we've won a lot of people over that. The fact that we are transparent and so quick mm-hmm. with the turnaround, um, a lot, it's, won a it's lot incredibly of, quick. Yes. And uh, f- surprisingly, we were not wrong a lot. So we actually get a lot of people right. It happens from time to time as with everything. But we really have, as I said, we have not let go a person for last two years and people are working out but for us congratulations no thank you um for us this is just the start so it actually the real job starts after so a lot of companies will drop it Mm -hmm. put this person in a in a seat and they say it's like you figure it out and we used to be there we are not anymore and so we have processes in place and so we require that every manager spends at least 40 percent of their time first three months with that person we also prevent single manager to have more than one new reportee for three months. So they're locked in for those three months to work with that one person only, and then they can move on. Mm-hmm. Um, we also make sure that that person actually is successful. So we have two separate tracks for growth in the company. One is single um, um, contributor and one is a manager. 
and they are equal on a financial standing. So essentially, manager can be making less than the manager. And we, I call it this personally, uh, servant leadership. So the idea is that our companies turn on the opposite pyramid. So the the, the lowest yeah. employees, the highest, are on top, and uh, and and breaks down because my my real job is empowering everybody around me. I cannot do these things on my own if I call that out. Um, and so if I lose people, if we don't attract the best people, then t- the company is gone. And so. In fact, I'm hired and I am there only because of them. Mm-hmm. If half of the company quits, my investors will kick my ass and that's that. So my job is to make sure that people are happy. Um, not at any price, but generally. And so the one of the interesting things with this is that, especially in the US these days, um, a lot of these outside recruiting companies have very interesting model where they will bring you bodies to the table, right? Hundreds of people. And you're supposed to pick tens of them rather than few of them because the, the churn in most companies is so large that they generally lose three, one-third of the company sometimes in a year. Uh, we just don't lose people. And so we never even think about how are we going to replace you by the day that we hire you. We, we never think about it. People just don't leave us. And so we just invest in their education. And so we have a lot of... First-time managers that have no idea what they're doing. So we started this book club. Uh, book club meets once a month, uh, reads a book that we feel is in some way can educate the person on how managers work, and we discuss it openly. And I sit there with people that I manage, and my managers sit there with people that they manage. Mm-hmm. And it's in the same room and everybody has equal voice and everybody can say whatever they feel. And we have a lot of people that said, I don't even know why I wanted to be a manager before I started, and I I have no skill set, I have no understanding, but as we are going through this together, I learn how to do better. Mm-hmm. And so, it's a, you know, the, the investment in education in general, it's a huge, huge, huge thing for us, and so we spend a lot of time, money, and energy um, making the best of it. And you mentioned the, the levels that you picked that up from, from Google. Do you have basically... How many levels are there and do you use these levels for anybody in yeah. the company? Yeah, so there is nine and they are for every single track, meaning there's an engineering track, there's a design track, there's a manager, uh, there is a, a business track, there's an operational track. Mm-hmm. Every single track has their own, but every single one has a nine. And so in engineering... Um, For the, for instance, a single uh, single track is um, it's the it's a fellow essentially. Mm-hmm. It's the same as Google Fellow. Um, on the manager track is uh, SVP of engineering, um, or in theory CTO, but we just don't have that position. We don't need it. Um, and so every single every single kind of uh, type of work mm-hmm. has its own track, um, and every single one splits in two. Oh, got it. But it's not that everybody across different departments on level, let's say, five, would have the same. Uh, it's it's different by the... Uh, by, by the, the industry. Depart- so yeah. we have... We do have, Our minimum wage right now, I believe, is fifty-five or $60,000. We're increasing that um, soon. I don't think we even have anyone on that. Uh, for the non-engineering. Yeah, and yeah. then I think engineering starts at 100 or something similar. And uh, again, I don't think we have anyone. But, um, 
And so how this how this is structured is essentially we go off market. Mm-hmm. You know, if the market says that yeah. manager or like a, this kind of type of work is this, we try to stay somewhere around that and then put extra compensation through options, obviously, and uh, benefits. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we structure it. But then it doesn't happen to a person. So we, we pay this equal salaries within the United States and then equal salaries within Europe. And our salaries in Europe are based on um, what we will be paying if you will be living in Vienna. Mm-hmm. And so there are cities that are more expensive than Vienna, for instance, uh, Paris yeah. or London, uh, where people will just not be happy to be making this salary. But people in Prague are very happy because Vienna is significantly more expensive. And so... You know the fact that we settled in Prague um, allows us to actually attract uh, more interesting talent. But in US, we we pay LA salaries everywhere, and so we have an office in Boulder, Colorado, where the salaries are just not as high because the cost of living is not high, but we pay the same. Got it. Um, and so it allows us to equalize things even when they are not really equal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also prevents us to be biased towards anyone. And so there's no such a thing that you negotiate better or they negotiate yeah, worse. Yeah, I, I hate that. Yes. I, hate, I hate when you... Because you have different types of people, right? You have Absolutely. the type that, you know, gets very vocal and uh, 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 fights, pushes yeah. and, and everything. And then you have the person that does amazing job, mm-hmm. never says a word, mm-hmm. uh, does not ask uh, for anything... And then if you, I would feel terrible if uh, I compensate these two people differently. Yeah, and it's uh, it's interesting because the quiet person eventually leaves because they're disgruntled. Uh, and then vocal person leaves because they feel that they're not compensated as much as they can be somewhere else. And so we don't have the vocal people. They just don't join us. Um, they fall off very quickly in the process. Um we found very, very, very rapidly and very quickly that these people will always run into the wall very, very, mm-hmm. very quickly once they start learning how we operate. And we heard many times when we say we do this because in a lot of other companies, especially in LA, um, you will have one person making, let's say, $200,000 and then seven people making eighty. Because, uh, yes, for the company, it's hundred and thirty, but to the people, it's not. Mm-hmm. But the problem is there was this one person that just pushed the company far, so they had to take it from somewhere else. Um, and so we don't do that. And so those people that will be able to get 200 somewhere else just don't join us at all. And um, as such, we just have very nice people working around us. And it's uh, one of the happiest moments of my life is when I, whenever I hear from a new employee saying, it's like, I was skeptical when you were telling me these things. But this is really works. It really works, and I'm so happy here. And we have people that come. We ask. We never ask people to work weekends. We never ask people to work uh, past six. Uh, We actually start the day ten thirty because of the traffic in this city. Um, And we we tell people like take as much time as you need for lunch or anything else, like mental day off if you need to. It's like you don't need to explain to us why. You just need to be okay. And so we support people in a lot of different ways. And it's interesting because people then force them, force us kind of open up these things. So people will be like, I want to do this on Saturday. And they come to ask, is it okay with you if I actually work on this on Saturday? It's like, well, I prefer not to, but if you want to. But it's unusual because um, 
you know, it's I had a, it's a whole different approach. Right? Exactly. I had other companies obviously before, and I didn't structure it this way. This is the very first time where I, as a company, we focused on people. Mm-hmm. We always focus on something else: shareholders, customers, uh, products. It's not like we don't care about them, but I believe the company can be extraordinary only when one of these four. And they usually don't see one focusing on employees. Um, I threw a very hardship, a lot of hardship in the other companies. I found out that companies are not successful because of good employees, because of good product, or because of uh, focus on shareholders. They're successful because of timing. Timing is everything. I built companies that were unsuccessful, and then I saw three years later, way crappier products getting so much better, so much further than we were able to. Timing is everything. And so when I realized that this is it, that timing is the limit um, to the success of the company, I decided that why not to focus on something that I care about, yeah. which is the people around me. I, I, I totally understand that. Well, I would like to uh, make things a bit personal. Sure. And... Uh, I am curious about one very specific uh, uh, area. We have not seen each other for about seven years, mm-hmm. but uh, I very actively follow you on all kinds of uh, social media and uh, and apps and uh, everything. And one of them is Strava. Mm-hmm. And I found out that you have a very specific workout routine mm-hmm. uh, that you and like I would love you to explain it but I will I will uh, at least mention how I understand it that you run exactly the same distance every single day yes in the same speed most most time yes. I, I'm a little bit lazier these days, but uh, generally, yes. So it's funny because when we met, you went for a run and I didn't. Um, I never worked out uh, but before I met my wife and uh, she kind of got me into all of these. And um, um, I, I, my personality doesn't allow me to do things as an, any other person. And so I have to do something all the time or never. And so one of those things was it's going to be five years on December 1st this year. Um, I decided five years ago, I decided to start running every day. And so I started picking up every single day. I have to run. That's it. There was no other condition. And uh, I was able to run very slowly, very short distances. But as it was adding to it. Well, you run, you run fast. I, I like now. No, the, yeah, it's five years. The 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 pace is uh... now it's very lazy. Uh, I'm surprised how far I was able to push the body, but uh, so yeah, I, that was the only rule. I have to run, and what is what was constituting as a run to me was at least ten minutes. That, that was it. Uh huh. And so I was able to run the first time I think a mile, like at ten minutes. Uh-huh. And so as it was going. Things were improving and I got further. Obviously, I don't run every day the same distance. Uh, I run work weeks the same distance because it's on the treadmill. Um, during the weekends, I run with my wife and we, we can run anywhere between 10 to 30 miles or something. But the uh, work week is where I actually am in the gym on the treadmill. And so somehow I got to this number, two miles. I don't know why. It just somehow sounded good. And... Um, 
I started experimenting with the paces and everything, and I got to very, very fast pace that I thought is like incredibly fast. And then, and then I got to a point that I started working out, and so I got a trainer back in San Francisco, and I, I, as I started adding the training, I was not able to keep up the pace. So one of the challenges of running fast is you have to stay slim, very, very thin. Thinner is better because it means lighter, so you yeah. can run further and faster. And so as I was gaining weight, as I was gaining muscle and everything else, fat too, um, it slowed me down, but also I keep it up. And so I'm still running every day. It's still two miles and uh, it's kind of uh, brushing the teeth for me at this point. So do you, do you ever take a break no. from, from it running? It never happened yet. So four four years, eleven months of every single every day. Every single day. Every single day. Christmas and any other vacations, every single day. That is persistence. Yeah, that's uh that's that's my challenge. I am not able to I don't have a whole lot of people on Strava. So every time I go there I see you yeah, and I see all the time. I, I see the same distance and I was like, What's What's happening? What yes. is, what is that? And then I saw I saw uh, that that you uh, run pretty fast, and I got really curious about that. I mean, it's a it's people people tell me that it's fast. It's it's funny because um, my fastest mile is so much faster than what I'm running that I know my body is capable of it. It's mm -hmm. just I don't want that pain. And so I run at a pace that is like I actually it's it's funny because I always tell my wife it's, it's like a com comfortable pace. It's very for comfortable now. for me, and it's funny because I tell my wife it's like the exact moment where I start sweating. So it's like my body doesn't realize I'm running up until the last minute of the two miles. And uh, for a lot of people, it's uh, it's very fast, but it's uh, it's surprising for me. I was never a runner. I never ran in my life, and I was surprised how far. I was able to get just by doing it all the time. That's amazing. Do you have any other routine that uh, you do? Yeah, uh, so I work out every day. Um, it's not technically visible, but it's, uh, it's, I mean, people that don't know me don't know that, but I used to be 400 pounds. Um, and so I have a lot of really? excess skin, yes. Um Well, I have I have uh, seen you change throughout the years uh, yes. uh, several times. That's yes. that's that's for sure. So I started uh, well started when I when I joined Google. The food got me to a four hundred pounds or or so four hundred four hundred yeah. And so that was a big. Then I lost uh, a lot of it. Uh, I went to like two forty or so. Then I went on this funky diet that I really enjoyed, which I eat only at only apples for 90 days, um, and so I dropped to 160. Um, and 260. 160. Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah, I'm 6'1", so it's uh, it was uh, it was very interesting uh, time. And then uh, I started working out. I started gaining some weight, and so. Um, I'm now 240 or so, and uh, one of the interesting things is like I physically don't look, but not only I can run, but I uh, work out every single day uh, with a trainer, and um, I am able to do for the first time in my life 100 push-ups, uh, 100 squats, 100, 100 a lot of other things I can do. Finally, do 20 pull-ups on my own, and so wow. uh, a lot of things that I'm proud of myself being able to actually get to, considering that. A decade ago, a little bit more than a decade ago, I was 400 pounds and there was no way for me to even bend 
to pick up something from a floor. So, in terms of dieting, uh, besides the apple diet, seems uh, super interesting. But is Very there was extreme. was was there anything else that uh, you have tried or that uh, worked the best for you? And like in the end, what's the what's the way how? Uh, you approach your nutrition today? Yeah, so I mean, uh, the way that I lost the first 400 to the 240 was by eating um, a lot, often. And so I moved from like one meal a day that was very large to small meals every few hours. So I used to carry um, almonds or something on me mm-hmm. that every two hours was like, I guess, a clockwork. I will just have something. And the body started dropping very rapidly. It, it took around 18 months to go down, but it started going very, very quickly down for me, at least quickly. Um, the apple diet got me down by, I don't know, 60 to 80 pounds uh, within three months. So that was interesting. I did once, uh, actually a year and a half back, I did a 30-day water fast, which was quite... 30 days? 30 days, yeah. That was very, very, very challenging. I, I, did, I did seven That was the that was the most that that I did. I did multiple times twenty one. This was the very first time that I said like, there has to be something behind twenty one. And so the last nine days were so painful that I don't think I'm going to do that again. Um, were you able to work? Yeah, well, I work out and run every day. Really, I am not able to stop. And so it was. Uh, my wife was not happy because we we run this hill in uh, in LA called Griffith Park. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tend to run it up. She hates running the hill, but I tend to run it up. And uh, I couldn't even walk it. And so she was very worried that I'm going to pass out somewhere there. Um, uh, yeah, it was very, very, very challenging. The last nine days, I didn't expect to be that, that hard. Um, I also lost almost 80 pounds uh, within that period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because of the workouts and everything else, there was a lot of that is water, obviously. Um And so uh, it, it was interesting. Then I had this random thing, as we can see, you have Apple Watch too. I for a year I kept. Uh, I was making sure that it burned at least thousand calories, active calories a day. So every single day. Um, so even when like Sunday I went for run and worked out, it still was not enough. So I had to go for walk for at least three miles. Yeah, I also have a, a goal in terms of the the, cal- the daily calories. Yes, and it's uh, it was super annoying, and so I kept it for a year. And then for last year, I did uh, I did uh, intermittent fasting for a little bit more than a year. However, my personality just doesn't mesh well with this, and so I ended up eating one meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, once a day, maybe once every two days, and I actually gain like fifty pounds because of that. You gain weight on intermittent fasting? Yeah, because it's a lot of food that I consumed in that very short period of time. I don't like. I I'm on intermittent fasting, and I feel I have the opposite problem. That and I do four hours of eating and twenty hours of not eating. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like in the four hours that I'm eating, I like struggle with eating everything I I, I need. It's a uh, how how, yeah. how did you manage to get over that? I uh, have no idea, but I'm I'm a very big fan of cheesecake, and so that could explain okay. some. Uh, <laughs> I don't eat meat, so one of the things is 
I uh, became uh, vegetarian or pescatarian uh, four and a half years ago, and so carbs are quite terrible. I got it. And uh, I am struggling with that. So for next year, so as you can see, my hair is uh, very long. So every year I have these rules since I was, I don't know. Well, that's what I wanted to ask, what's coming up next year. So I'm glad that you are mentioning it. Yeah, so every year I have to do something. So four years ago, I believe, I had a goal to read at least 100 books. Um, And so for this year, I had this idiotic idea that I'm not going to cut my hair. Um, For the entire year? Okay. For the entire year. Now I understand. I was like, uh, when you arrived, I was a little surprised. But uh, Yes, so my wife absolutely dislikes it. she must, she must be super uh, happy about the, these yearly challenges. <laughs> she's not, uh, but she's uh, she understands me and she knows this is who I am. So she had this actually idea for me for the next year, and uh, she she suggested, "What if you do? Uh, what if you eat only ingredients that start on the name of the month?" Uh, I speak five languages, and uh, so I told her, it's like, the only way I could do this is if I can use <laughs> all five of them, otherwise there is no way. But uh, one of the things that I wanted to try, and she kind of encouraged, is to go vegan for a year. And so I think that's my that's my next year goal. Um, so next year. I vegan. cannot wait to get rid of the hair, and, uh, and then I'm going well, to get rid of... Well, something else is going to come. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, uh, it's going to be challenging, but... Um, I I don't think I can go back eating meat. I, I quit it because of uh, personal moral reasons, essentially. And so I'm having a very hard time adjusting to it. Uh, on the other hand, my trainer is very unhappy with my forms of diets. And so, you know, you need to have a lot of protein when you are actually building muscles um, and, and trying to be at the best shape. And uh, Correct. it's very hard to, to get it out of without the meat. And yeah. so it's not impossible, but it's not easy. And uh, I unfortunately don't have a sweet tooth, but I love cheese, and cheese is very caloric, uh-huh. and I can eat a lot of it um, and nuts, and so a combination is not healthy for me. Got it. If uh, if I see that there is a cheesecake, there's cheese, there's nuts, yeah, a handful of nuts can be like a handful fa- of nuts five hundred calories easily if it's very like macadamia. Or oh something. yeah, very easily. Unfortunately for me, handful is never even a snack. Okay, okay. it uh, it ends in bags. Uh, <laughs> that's how I count my my eating of, and that's my challenge. Is uh, so after my apple diet, I actually did a few other crazy things. So I had guacamole for a month. Um, guac diet? Yeah. I love guac. Yeah, I love guacamole <laughs> too. Uh, one of the challenges for my wife is uh, she will eat the same food only once. Like, she will not even eat the leftovers. That's just not how she operates. Uh-huh. To me, I can eat the same food for months, and that will be fine. And uh, it's one of the challenges is if I, if I get into, like, a cashew or something similar, I, I will literally just eat them forever. And it will not stop for months, and I, I can have that as a single meal for, for every single meal. Um, and so I have to be very careful about what kind of thing I pick up. You must have a really uh, exciting uh, household uh, yeah, with do. all of those uh, challenges and everything. But we do. So I mean, my my wife hides everything from me, and uh, she she tries to force me to eat very narrow things that she cooks. <laughs> um, she's a good cook. Uh, it's just uh, I'm in mood for something, and it's one of the one of the things. I, I mean, this is coming most likely from my childhood. So I didn't grow up with a family and so we had very little uh-huh. and my parents my 
my mom will um my mom will cook the same things over and over and over and over and so somehow stuck with me. Uh, it's one of the things that you might have too, especially coming from the same region. Is uh, that you just cannot leave a plate with with the food on it. So I have to always finish everything yeah. that is in front of me, and I never, regardless I, of the size. And uh, it's one of the challenges when you are now grown up and you are in charge of your own meal. You just put any size on it, and I will ever finish it. And so, yeah, she's trying to balance me a little bit better, and um, I tend to burn a lot of calories a day i i mean i always pass um the thousand calories a day um but it's not necessarily enough when you're eating a lot of fat and a lot of carbs and understand but i i would uh totally agree with uh what you mentioned uh, uh regarding the the dieting different mm. different approach trying different approaches like makes it makes it fun yeah i i love extremes I uh, really enjoyed the water fast. It's actually one of my absolutely favorite. Um, I love the, the the the. I believe that uh, willpower is a muscle, and you have to squeeze it in order to have it. And so, one of the most challenging things I ever done it was the apples by far. Um, I better and easier for me not to eat. It's actually all of these made me to. I don't get hungry anymore, even if I don't eat for extens or mm-hmm. if, if I don't eat for extensive period of times. And you most likely understand this eating yeah. within twenty hour window or four hour window and not eating for twenty. A lot of people say I'm hangry. I, I'm getting angry from yeah, the yeah. from, from the hanger. Um, it just doesn't come. I don't even notice I'm hangry, uh, angry, hang- <laughs> uh, hungry anymore. Yeah. Um, I, uh, in many cases, it's just for me, no more, it's no more like a, a need. If I sit down, I can eat for three hours straight and I will be constantly consuming up until I don't stop. And so I think this is one of the challenges for me. It's uh, like the, the whole feeling went away. I don't feel full or empty. But you do it. I just do it. Yeah. And so... I did. That was definitely not helpful, but I love the challenge of it. It's a, it's a, it's much more than anything else that you can try, as, uh, and it makes me better. Well, it, it really led us to an interesting discussion, uh, you know, uh, around also some of your uh, personal habits. Yes, uh, I, I really enjoyed that. Well, uh, I I hope that uh, next time uh, we see each other is uh, gonna be way sooner than in seven years. In seven years, yeah. Um, Maybe I'll, next time in Hawaii again. I will I will make sure. Uh, unfortunately, I cannot go with you next week, but uh, uh, I will make sure that uh, we uh, see each other uh, way sooner than that. And uh, yeah, I wish I wish you all the best with Pax. Uh, and uh, also good luck with uh, your uh, with your plan for the next year challenge. And uh, yeah, thank, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you so much me. for for uh, doing the the podcast. Uh, yeah. Really it was, enjoyed it. The was a lot of fun. All right, thank you so much. Thanks. As always, I was a bit surprised when I saw Rusty coming because uh, I almost could not recognize him. Uh, And I'm extremely thankful that he has taken a trip to our Venice office to record a podcast. It was an incredible discussion filled with uh, a lot of great tips for me, especially from the company leadership, how basically how to lead a team, 
how to motivate people, how to establish a great environment that uh, people enjoy. And I can definitely see that uh, Rusty has a lot of experience and he has just the right mindset, I feel like. So I'm really looking forward to chatting up with him next time again. And uh, I hope that you have enjoyed the show as well. Uh, as usual, please share any of your feedback and uh, we'll be working on more episodes for you. But until then, stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs>